Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie, and with me, as always, is... Hey, everybody, what's going on? It is Jason. Oh, man, it's back to school. So we are recording in the middle of the day, because our kids are at school. school. Back to school. I sing that almost like every day that I get ready for school. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of Billy Madison vibes in the morning. Oh, my gosh. I'm also back to school, and I realize... There are tons of people that go and start work at 8 o'clock or earlier. I have not been one of those people for a long time. And to do it every day, five days a week is rough for me. Mostly because I'm a, I'm a night owl. So I'll still think, oh, I can stay up till midnight. No big deal. I don't need sleep. But for every person out there, it's like, oh, I can run on five hours of sleep. I'm the person that helps us average it to eight hours because I need nine hours of sleep to feel rested. <laughs> so my wagon is dragon. Yeah, um, I can do fine with whatever amount of sleep I get. Yeah, that's not true at all. For a few hours, I'm good. Yeah, but like if you are without sleep, like if you are trying to do what I'm doing, like you would get so cranky. Because you get cranky when you don't have enough sleep. I get cranky when I go to bed at three and wake up at seven. That's a yeah. that's a different story. I know, but like you just get like ragey. Like I get hangry. Like if I have not if I don't have enough sleep, I'm like okay, you know. I just start like doing dumb stuff and my speech gets slurred and um, I'm like I need to take a nap. <laughs> but it's not a big deal. You're like I do get ragey. That's true. I do. Mm-hmm. I do. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm a little low on sleep. I'm running on caffeine and naps. Um, but school has started. I have like, I don't like almost 70 students. And I have successfully memorized all their names, even though they keep moving around in their seats, which is hard for me to remember that when they move around in their seats. I hate when people move around in their seats. It's annoying. Uh, you would. You'd be the person that's like, I'm sitting in the same seat. How dare anyone else try and sit in my seat? I picked this seat on the first day and I will never leave it. And I do. That's what I do. You're right. (laughs) I like to move around, but it does. I realize from the other side of things, it's very difficult. I'm like, shoot. And then I have classes that come into the same room. So different students fill the same seats. And so my brain is like trying to remember where people are based on like their occupancy and space. So I'm like, okay, in this chair was this person or at this table i had these names well and then i have like overlapping names from periods i'm like shoot zoe sat over there last time but there's a zoe in this class but she's on the other side of the room Whew. it's been an exercise in my my brain and every classroom i've been in has been overwhelmingly hot this week which does not work for me I love the modern convenience of air conditioning. I will not go without it. And I don't know why every room I'm in, the air conditioning is broken. (laughs) Yeah, that sucks. More than lack of sleep or being hungry, the heat makes me ragey. I almost got into a fight as like a concert at this tiny hole in the wall because it was so hot. We were staring the whole time and I didn't know that it was going to be that hot. And people were just like shoving past, going and getting beer and like shoving their way back to the front. And I'm like, no, no, I've been here this whole time. You left. You don't get to come back to the front. And I was like, never again. I'm never going back there because I got so ragey because I was so hot. It was annoying. 
I yeah. think you were embarrassed by me. <laughs> I mean, that happens occasionally. Where I get ragey or you, I embarrass you? You embarrass me. I mean, you do get ragey too, but I was talking about the embarrassment. <laughs> yeah, I embarrassed Jason. We went to our daughter's first like cheer match, which was pouring down rain and awful. Um, but I'm like yelling at the football plays, like, tackle him. That kid's right there. What are you doing? Get They're low. eight years old. They're eight years old. I know, but good instruction is helpful at any age. Yeah, and also not running the same play every five seconds is good instruction, too, so they learn how to do other things. But we didn't talk about well, that. They have to successfully run the play at least once, so we're going to try it many times. They need to get a yard. They need a yard. That's it. I know. Oh, well. Maybe next year I'll just coach, and then you won't be as embarrassed, because it's okay to yell from the sidelines at that point. That's true. Hmm. Okay, that's a, enough of my random banter. Now you know everything that's going on in my life. <laughs> so let's talk about news and crowdfunding, I guess, instead. Move on while we're here. Uh, I got to tell you, crowdfunding is looking a little slim right now, at least on Kickstarter, because I, I, went, I went into the far reaches my Kickstarter correspondent also far reaches. So we'll see how this goes. The first thing I want to talk about on Kickstarter is actually not a game. No, it's not. But it is token trays. And literally, that is the name of the Kickstarter project, token trays. And guess what? It's token trays. <laughs> No catchy gimmicky name, just token trays. Um, these trays are made by CNC Woodsmith, which are these two guys that actually have a lot of um, like letters behind their name. And um, one one of them is a master woodworker. They appear. They also like one guy builds guitars. Like on the side, like they have like legit stuff. They've made some other projects on Kickstarter, um, some little minimalist miniatures, like this thing called a character crate, um, just some other things they've worked on. And now they're back with token trays. And token trays, it's like a three spot of these nice little rounded kind of wells, pockets, they call them, for your tokens. And then there's also like a really like thin card slot on each one. So you can use these as like personal like player trays or you can just set several together to just do overall like bank kind of storage for a whole game. They're made from wood. I think they said uh, walnut and cherry. So American hardwoods locally sourced. So they're long lasting. Like we have um, several different ones different types of things that we use for tokens. Um, some of them work better than others. And they were actually saying like, we have, we made these for ourselves. We keep, cha we've changed them several times. We tried a bunch of different stuff, cereal bowls and crafting containers and silicone trays and like all this stuff. Um, and so they wanted something that was really simple, didn't have to get set up, like just pull it out. So they're like minimal, simple and and look really nice because they're crafted from hardwood like i mean they're nice um, so if you're looking at some trays i think they are eight by three so eight inches long three inches like wide deep 
Not deep. That's a different number. Probably wide. Know. Probably wide. Okay. Don't ask me. Um, <laughs> I'm not good with the numbers. I'm sorry. Check these out. They look really nice. Um, to get a lot of them is a bit of an investment, but they again, they're made from like walnut and cherry. So like there's like serious trays. So check out token trays. There are eight days left in that Kickstarter. Um, to buy one is like 20 bucks. And then they do like a, like a, I don't, the more you buy, they're not are all like $20 per. So like you could get two for $35. So you're saving five bucks. You can get four for like 65. So if you want to buy more, they are like kind of giving you a little bit of a bundle discount there. So that's token trays. Yeah, these look really nice. They remind me of the the Wormwood Company. They do this stuff, but their stuff is considerably more expensive than these. Mm-hmm. So to be made with real wood, they look nice. Uh, I don't think twenty bucks is a bad idea. I mean, we have the nice three D printed ones that I'm just fine with, but these wooden ones look really good. Yeah. Um. Oh my gosh, I love Wormwood stuff. It is gorgeous. But like Jason won't even let me stop at the booth at Origins or Gen Con. He's like, nope, nope, that's not for us. It costs $15 just to walk by. <laughs> They're really nice. But it is like that. those nice solid woods, like really well done stuff. And, and these look of that quality. So check it out. My next one is like the complete opposite. So we go from like handmade hardwoods to a print and write or print and play. And it's a print at home roll and write game. Well, we have plenty of those, don't you say? Well, of course, but this one is about being paleontologists, which I think is super cool theme. So this is called Baco Dig and Write. So in Baco Dig and Write, you are rolling dice and then you're using the numbers on the dice to draw fences on your board. And you're trying to actually draw these fences in um, certain shapes, because if you draw them in a certain shape, then it allows you to unearth a fossil or a skeleton. Like there's pteranodons, there's even like homo sapiens, like there's all kinds of stuff. Um, relics, like an ancient civilization kind of thing. And that's like a big Finston. Cause so it's almost like when you're an archeologist, I guess it's not only paleontologist, cause some of it's archeology, span not just I think, based on these pictures. So there's five cards in these different shapes that you're trying to draw. So like, you know, like archaeologists, like they put up the stakes and like, okay, like you have to label your little sections so that you know where you found everything in order to really document the find. You're kind of doing that with this roll and write um, to get your little finds. And then also there's uh, some player interaction where you can like put holes in the other player's sheets. So it's like, oh, well, there's, here's a hole here. Can't dig that, um, which Jason hates, but it's possible. And then there's these eggs also on your board that if you fully enclose them, you can find gems inside. And those gems allow you to kind of break some of the rules as far as how you make your fences and things in order to, um, you know, use your enclosure better. Seems pretty simple. Looks cute. Um, you know. You there's 15 discovery cards in total, but you only use five like each time, so you can mix it up, change it up a little bit. So if you like the roll and writes, um, you want kind of a new concept, maybe you really like archaeology, check out Baco Dig and Write. There are 10 days left on that Kickstarter, and it's six bucks for your print and play. 
Yes, it sounds really fun, except for the whole messing with other people. And I don't mind like interacting with other people. I just always hate in how a lot of games it's always negative. I know some people are into that. It's just not my jam. So I like positive interaction or no interaction at all if I'm going to do that. But <laughs> I, I do like the digging for fossils. I think that's cool. That's a cool theme, and I want that in more games. I know. It is super cool. Uh, the last game is like super production. So we've been all over the gamut. I can't tell you if I know how to play this game, but I'm so intrigued. And this is called Doom Mentions, <laughs> right? Doom Mentions Pop-Up Mystery Manor. So this is said to be an immersive, a 3D pop-up escape room in a box. It's part escape room, um, part murder mystery uh, all pop up. And when I say pop up, I mean like legit, like, and there's no assembly required, which I thought was great. This is an eight room pop up. So like you open this book up and like, if you pull it all the way around, there's like the whole, f there's each, so there's four sides, you know, like a square and each side has got like two rooms on it. And I mean, it's not just like a room, like there's a bathroom that has a pop-up toilet in it and a, um, a shower curtain around the tub. Like, it is cuckoo bananas. How much stuff is in it? There's even, like, little gabled roofs. So you're playing the part of this paranormal investigator. You have a scrapbook of evidence. So you have also other materials besides what's inside the, the 3D manor. Uh, and you're, to try to solve these cases and from the look of it there's four different cases that come in like your for your case file and there's little clippings and fold outs and stuff in your case file as well as in the manner itself where you're going to look for clues there's like symbols sometimes on the walls and stuff that you're going to use to solve puzzles um just a lot of really interesting cool stuff like i mean Sure, a 3D mansion is gimmicky, but that is a gimmick I will totally buy into. So it's like creepy, haunted house look to it. There's like a bloody palm print on the summoning room because, you know, there's pentagram on the floor. There's like in the foyer, you can see up through the next floor because the ceiling is missing because it's falling apart because uh, the landing above is like decaying. It's it is really cool looking and you know i love investigation i love deduction and that's what this appears to promise so if you like those things or if you just like a good gimmick or a good pop-up book check out doom mentions mystery manor there's 12 days left of that kickstarter so you have a little more time than usual and um the basic pledge is 62 dollars yeah this could be cool but not telling people how the game works you got to stop doing that. People need to quit doing that on Kickstarter. It's annoying. I know. But then I don't know if it's like deduction. So it's like you read this thing, you know, and then you look like. I guess. But wouldn't you love to know that from reading the Kickstarter page? Like what exactly goes on? <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, but I'm like, ah, I'll figure it out. <laughs> Once I get there. No big deal. Ooh, they've unlocked uh, a magnifying glass. That's important. Yeah, that's Ooh, cool. and a bonus, a bonus file, case file in your dossier. Hmm. Yeah, it just, it just seems cool. They also have done some, they keep talking about this other stuff that they, Curious Correspondence is who, who 
made this and they've done some other things apparently but they don't sound familiar to me there's a deluxe part three-part experience wait a minute so do you only get like one case i'm so confused that's that's the other thing i'm like just be clear what am i getting oh this is prologue and epilogue that's the three parts okay okay i see you i see you so that's just that's the only deluxe part it yeah. looks cool yeah. it looks cool i know we'll never get it but i'm intrigued the pop-up book it did the pop-up board did look cool i agree with you 100 percent. i wonder if that's going to be like a new thing with board games we've seen a couple and i have liked every single one i'm like look at how cool this is yeah they look cool i mean i just they're usually in games that i'm don't like you're not going to see a euro game with a big pop-up board which could be cool i would play that all day but they're usually deduction or storytelling and stuff like that, which is a bummer. But I feel like when that you would like deduction like that, because then you can actually like, it's not like, oh, in our imagination, I can look at the thing and like flip it open and like find stuff. That's true. I do like the deduction aspect better than the storytelling aspect, 100%. Uh, and being able to look at the map and piece stuff together, that is kind of cool. Okay. Well, those three things of all the varieties are what I have for news today. All right, so let's talk about some games that we played. And we played a decent amount of games. So we're going to pick three to talk about. And new hotness stuff, too. Yeah, new hotness. One is like, actually, two of them are pretty new hotness. The third one, the hotness has faded a little bit. But to me, new hotness. So, yeah, there we go. So the first game if, that we're going to talk about. I can't you put this first because yeah, you're obsessed. I, I, I am obsessed. If you've seen our social media, I've talked about this game ad nauseum. I did a FOMO blog post about it just because I wanted mm -hmm. to. I love this game, and I'm kind of irritated at Kim and Jim for bringing this over, but, you know, <laughs> in, in, a, in a joking way. And the game is called Scout. And the version that we played is the, is the version from Oink Games, but it's from a couple other publishers, basically the same game, just different art. And what this game is, is it is a just a simple card game. But it's a shedding game, which means you're trying to get rid of all your cards before other players. And the way that you're doing that is, on your turn, you either have to, if you're the first player, you can play a single card down, a pair of cards, a set of cards, a run of cards. You're just trying to get cards out of your hand, but you have to play them in the order that they're, they're in your hand. Kind of like Bonanza style. So you can't rearrange your cards. And then the player after you has a choice. They can either play a higher set or a higher number if it's a single card, or they can scout a card from your hand, which means they take uh, of the cards that you played. So which means they take a card that you played, but you get a point for them using some of the cards and them not being able to beat your run or your play. And then it'll go to the player after them, and they can either play cards to beat your play or scout again. And once per round, you can do a scout and play, which is when you take a card, you're scouting a card, and then you can immediately play afterwards. So you're kind of breaking the rules of you either scout or play. One time you can scout and play. And you're just trying to keep going around like that, scoring as many points as you can, playing as biggest runs as you can, because that's going to help get you points, and you're trying to run out of cards. At the end of the round, for every card you have left, you get a negative point. You're going to add the points that you've gotten, minus what's in your hand. That's your points for the round. And I think you play one round per player. That's how we played it. But I think that's what you do. And you're just trying to get the highest score. This game is stupid fun. And I love it. 
So how do you feel about Scout? Yeah, it has some like pasted on theme about like your scouting talent. Yeah, there's no theme here. For like your circus or something. Like and I love theme, but even I was like, look at the numbers. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. It's like, who cares? There's a drummer. Okay, who cares? Go on. <laughs> I totally, totally pulled a Jason. Absolutely. Um this game was fun. It helped that I won. It made me feel real You didn't good. you didn't win this. I totally won Scout. I thought I won. I think you might have won Cat in the Box. No, I lost Scout in the Box real bad. Cat in the Box. I won Scout by at least one point. Okay, maybe that. Maybe I thought I won because you only won by one point. I, I was doing really good, but you're a jerk. Oh, let's keep that in mind. We talk about a game later. <laughs> no, I, I've forgotten it already. <laughs> mm, I won, and I felt real good about it. Uh, partially because we'll talk about this other game that was very taxing on my brain and I just was like, I'm just going to play cards and hope for the best because I don't know how to actually play the game. This one, I'm like, I got this. I got this. Um, Partly because we play a lot of Bonanza and we play a lot of card games in general. So it has so many overlapping um, things like that. Like it reminds me of the game I was talking about, 535 or something. Yeah, yeah, 535. On Kickstarter last week. Um so just I and I love like a good small game. That's I love good card games because people can relate to those. Non gamers relate to those really easy. Um, and then you're just like trying and you're like, oh, I'm down to one card. Well, that card's a one. I'm never gonna take anything again. Like it just it keeps you on the edge of your toes. That's for sure. And um, like the the art is fun. Like just the colors that they chose. I like so it's appealing. the bo- The little box is appealing. It's easy to take places. It's would be easy to play. Um, so yeah, I I really enjoyed it. I don't feel this obsessive need to hunt it down, like Jason apparently has right now. I mean, I figure eventually we will find it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it is a good game. I honestly feel like I've seen this in a store, but maybe not. Maybe I made that up. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it could have been before we played it and realized it was good. Because a lot of the times that when I see an oink game, I'm like, eh, it's oink. And then I move on, but yeah. And I mean, you know, I don't know any places that, any people that make other games. So I'm like, it could be, I don't know, FIFA Faux Fom games. I don't know. <laughs> That's a great game company. They should be one of those. Hmm. <laughs> All right, so that's Scout. Love it. Best game we're going to talk Well, not the best game, but great game. So the next game is a game. It's called Cat in the Box. Let's move on. What? A lot of people really like this game. <laughs> no. It, like, sold out of origin. Yeah, all right. We'll talk about it. So Cat in the Box is a trick-taking game. A quantum trick-taking game is what it says uh, from Bezier. And the way that this game works is everyone's going to be dealt a certain number of cards based on the player count. And you're going to take one of those cards and discard it from your hand so it's not so not all the cards are in the game. Then the other interesting thing about these cards is they don't have suits. They're all suitless cards. They're just black with a cat and numbers. And each player is going to have this little board in front of them with markers on red, yellow, blue, and green to show the four suits. And you're going to have to bid at the beginning of the round on how many tricks you think you're going to be able to take. And it's one, two, or three. You can't bid more than three. You can't bid less than one, which I think is kind of annoying. But that's the rule. And then... Whoever's lead it is will get to play a card, and they're going to determine what suit, what color they want that card to be when they play it. 
and you can't play red, which is like the Trump suit, unless somebody has already played red. So you can't lead red unless it's already been played in the, the game. Then when you play the suit of the card, you're going to take another little marker, and there's a center board, and you're going to mark the number and the color of the card that you played. That means that card has been played. So if other people have a four, they can no longer make it a four green if I played a green card. And then everybody else has to follow suit or not. They can trump by using the red. But when you do that, you're limiting what you can play in the future. So you're trying to balance all this stuff out in your hand and all that kind of thing. The other thing you're trying to do is you're trying to get the tokens, your tokens put out on that board of the numbers in like an orthogonal, orthogonally adjacent to score points. But you're only going to score points on that board if you've met your bid. So you're trying to meet your bid at least, and then you're trying to get tokens out on this board next to each other because each token next to each other is worth one point as long as you've made your bid. And every trick you take is worth a point whether or not you make your bid. And if you can't play a card when it comes back to you, it's called a paradox, and you're going to be losing some points based on how many tricks that you've taken. I only did that once. I think that's how it works. You have more uh, more experience in the paradoxing, but... Oh, okay. So yeah, that, that's Cat in the Box. It's a trick-taking game with some funky rules and some interesting differences. I liked some of it. Like I liked the board play of trying to get orthogonal. I didn't like that you could only bid one, two, or three. I didn't like that you could be on the verge of getting your, your trick so you could make your bid and then somebody paradoxes, costing you a bunch of points. I didn't like all that, but the game was fine. Not something that I feel compelled to keep going back to, but cool. So how'd you feel about Cat in the Box? Hi, my name is Jason, and I just don't like a game, but I'm still going to be a jerk about it to the people. Um, this game was was fun. I, I'm terrible. I'm terrible at it. Every time I got a paradox, I'm like, I don't know how we got here. Because I, I just felt like I was trying to play a good trick-taking game and take take the tricks I was supposed to. But I didn't do it very well because I just got negative points all the time. It was fine. I was shooting for positive points. I did not end up with positive points. That's okay. Like, it has really cool components. I think I like the concept of it. Um, Yeah, I get some people like, well, I want to bid zero. But again, there's a challenge to bidding at least one. Um, And so I think there's something to that. I just end up with all the eights all the time. And let me tell you, if you think that's a good strategy, it's not. No, because you're going to play four of them throughout the game and there's, what, five of each number? Yeah, yeah, it's bad. And you're never going to be able to play all four anyway. Um, part of that, I didn't realize that there were five each number the first time we started playing, so I should have discarded some of those. Um, but I like it, like thinking about, okay, yeah, I can break into Trump and take this, but um, that means I can't play this color anymore. And it's interesting the cards don't have colors on them. You choose what color it is when you play it which I find very interesting. Like it's totally a new way. Yeah. Um, I did like that. I thought that was cool. That whole part is cool. There were just some of the things that I didn't like as much as I wanted to. But overall, I'd say I like it. I don't feel the need to have to own it, but it is pretty fun and I would play it again. Absolutely. And the little like cat tokens that you put in like these little rows, adorable. Yeah. I think also maybe I had different expectations for the game because it was so hot, you know, it's one of those things like, this is one of the greatest games ever. And then you play it and you're like, uh. Oh my gosh, you do this all the time. You're like, we don't want to poo-poo on people like games, but you're like, well, if you overhype a game, I'm automatically going to hate it. I didn't say I would automatically hate it. I was just expecting it to be different 
than what it was, I think. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. what. That's what. I'm not blaming yeah. it on other people. I'm blaming yeah. it on myself. My okay. own failure in expectation is what I'm blaming <laughs> it on right there. All right? Yeah. It, it's a pretty fun game. Um, yes, if I had a choice between that and Scout, I would play Scout um, because I feel like I... I can play that and be competitive in it. Cat in the box. I'm like, I'm just here for the ride. So it's like a fun experience. And it is cool to like try and play the cards that you want to play and make before anybody else plays them. And, and that choice of what color maybe am I going to not play anymore? And is that going to be bad? Um, so it is a little more puzzly in that. Yeah, that's true. There's definitely more thinking going on in cat in the box and there isn't scout and scout you're oh you played two threes i need to play two fours or something like it's an easier game but i i don't know i just like the flow of it a little better but cat in the box is definitely thankier 100 percent. all right so going from two card games we're going to a big uh crunchy alexander fister game i think it might be his newest one i don't know again new hotness we're kind of out of the loop on all that but, I couldn't even name another Alexander Fister <laughs> game, even though I know that he has more. Broom Service, Blackout Hong Kong, Mombasa, Cloud Age. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, uh, one of those. So Boon, the the game we're going to talk about is Boon Lake. I think this is his newest one. Again, no idea. It's been talked about more than some of the other ones, so I'm assuming it's newer. Um, and what this game is, it's uh, I'm trying to figure out what it is. It's basically an action selection card game. That's how I kind of look at it, that has a board. There is a board, but most of the stuff that you're doing on your turn is you're selecting an action that's going to let you do, we'll boil it down kind of simply, either put some tiles on the board, kind of like exploring these territories on the map, uh, put some farmland down, recruit some people to come visit you uh, or to work for you, go put people out on the board as like settlements and upgrade them to houses and then into bigger houses, uh, get cows out on the board for points, all you're trying to do out on the board is get pieces and tiles to score points. But in, in the cards that are in your hand, every time you take an action from the action, you're allowed to play a certain color of card. There's like daytime, nighttime, and like sun, sunset or something. And based on the action that you take, it's going to allow you to either play a card of that type or discard it for some coins. All the cards are going to do crazy good things. It could give you some, some extra workers to come... that you can use they could give you in-game scoring let you move on some tracks but all these are going to have a certain amount of cost they're going to have a gold cost and they're going to have some resource cost and the resource cost is the most interesting thing i think on your player board you have these two canoes and there's four different resources wood stone red and lego um i don't know what the red is it's like gems gems. yeah Gems gems and steel and you're you have to move these canoes to get the certain amount of resources that you need. You're also going to need to upgrade those factories because sometimes you're going to need to produce four of these things. Each canoe will produce one, so you can get a maximum of two without upgrades. So you, in order to play these cards, you need resources, you need money, and then these cards are going to be worth points at the end of the game. They may give you one-time bonuses, may do a whole bunch of other stuff, and they're crazy. By the end of the game, you're going to have 30, 40 cards that you played in front of you. It's It's crazy. And then at the end of your turn, you're going to move this boat down the river, which is kind of the timer of the game. It's going to give you more bonuses. So it's a game where every action that you do gives you points. Everything gives you points. For the first, like, an hour, you're getting no points, and then all of a sudden, you're drowning in points. It's one of those types of games. And I really liked it. It had kind of a lot going on because there were some different... Fister likes to do different mechanisms that people don't do a lot, so we had to learn all that. A lot of iconography you had to learn. But once we got into it, I felt like it was 
pretty smooth and easy going. And every time you take an action, everybody else gets to do an action as well, which is pretty cool. So yeah, I dig that. So how do you feel about Boon Lake? Well, I mean, since I won this one, I feel really good about it. No, you didn't. I didn't? Are nope. you sure? I won by one point. Oh, because at one point, I thought that I had won. No, no. I won mm. Scout by one point, too. Interesting. You definitely <laughs> lost. It was 63 to 62. I remember. I did win this one, though, by one point. Yeah. You did by one point. Um, this is my kind of game because I love, like, multipaths. So you can, you choose. There's these. Um, there's a lot going on in this game. And one of the things going on is... At every round, you have to kind of do a goal fulfillment, and each person has a goal that they have laid out there that's chosen. Mine happened to be to have a bunch of cows out, and I'm like, dude, I'm going to go into heavy into cows. It's cool. I'm going to do cows. So I did cows. Uh, and then I did cards that worked with cows and I did, I just did a bunch of cards and I'm like, Oh, I have a card here at the beginning of the game that says if I get a bunch of switches, I'll get points. Well, let's get switches. So I had cows and switches. Not like a switch to hit somebody with, but like a switch no, I didn't that's hit like the a, cows with a, the switches, a power switch, but like a lever. <laughs> yeah. A lever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that went up and down. So I had a bunch of, I'm like, yeah, I'll go into that. Jason was like, I'm going to put everything on my board onto the main board. <laughs> I did. I had that everything but one house strategy. down there. Everything. Yep. Chris's strategy, I'm not sure. He didn't do very well. Chris's strategy is like, I want instantaneous points in the game. Yeah, that's true. He was getting a lot of points during the game. That's and true. And my normal strategy, which I did play, is like, I want in-game points. So I'm busy playing cards and funding to get cards for in-game points. Amy was like, I'm going to do everything and in the middle, feel like I'm doing nothing, but I'm going to end up almost, you know, winning also. She got third place. Chris got last. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the whole time, Amy was like, I'm going to lose this game because she was way behind the whole game. Like, way but behind. But she was, like, doing lots of, like, in-game yeah. scoring stuff um, and, and other things that kind of worked out in the end. Towards the end, she was, like, able to gain more points. Like, it, it, did, it did kind of snowballed. And I think that's what's cool is that we all kind of did different stuff. And it happened to work out like it, it really it all paid off. It wasn't like, oh, you know, if you don't get out all of your settlements, you know, you're going to lose the game. No, I like had almost <laughs> I had gotten rid of one of like my big settlements and like two or maybe four of the little houses. I still had a ton on my board, but I only lost by one point because I had all the switches, the levers and well, the cows. And you don't get any points for those settlements, really outside of cows being next to them so you put all well, that you get effort points on your board that's true you, that's you do at the that's end. true that's true but not as much as if a cow is next to it right so like balancing that out and being like okay you know what? i'm not gonna build the settlement because i need all these people to help me wrangle my cows later and i'm going into the cattle business like that was my goal so um i like that now my biggest complaint about this game and this is dumb is the box art. If I saw that box, and I'm sure I have, I'm like, what a stupid name. And the box looks like like there's like a Wild West town, but then there's like a lotus flower in the front. What? I was like, I didn't even look at the box. <laughs> yeah, there's a lotus flower with the, yeah. That is kind of weird. It, it shows nothing about what the game's about. It's not intriguing. It's not even just like nice really to look at. 
Well, it's Clemens Franz, it's, so it's I mean that, that should go without saying. <laughs> Bless his heart, man. Actually, that box is pretty good for a Clemens Franz box, honestly. It is, but yet, like I did, I take an ugly person on there that would help show me that I had people and cows that That's made true. sense of what this game's about. An ugly cowboy was, is what it needed. <laughs> right, Clemens Franz can do that. He just takes the Marco Polo guy and puts a cowboy hat on him. That's what I'm looking for. That's true. And puts a cow in the background, like the one from Agricola. Done and done. I, but there's not. And so I'm like, what the heck kind of game is this? And the name Boone Lake. Boone Lake with a lotus. I'm like, oh, this is like some weird mandala, whatever. I'm not into that, you know. And I'm like, no. This is like a really great, like, point salad, um, like, explore your territory kind of thing. I wanted to know that. That is not on the box. It's very upsetting. So I probably would have been interested in this game sooner if it hadn't been so deceiving. I also love, you know, I love good card play. And to be able to use cards that give you instant stuff now and then still have some point value or cards that are giving you an ongoing bonus um, that you can use during the game. Like, which one of those do I want? Because they all cost your resources and they all cost money and money is at a premium, man. Like, how do I get the people I need to put my stuff out? Like, just so many things to kind of balance. What action am I going to take? And, you know, I really sometimes have to plan ahead for my actions. Like, moving down the river and getting bonuses, kind of like you do on Raja the Ganges. Just lots and lots of really good stuff here. I really liked it. Yeah, I... Except the box. It's definitely a good game. It it didn't really feel like a Fister game to me, because... For a while, he was doing, you play cards down to your tableau, then you had to pick them up in a certain order. It's nice that he got away from that. Um, but it definitely is, you explore, do whatever you want. However you want to get points, you go get points, and hopefully you do it better than everybody else. And I like that. Yeah, it, yeah it's good. And I like the fact that when I take an action, everybody else gets to take a, an action as well. So every turn, you're doing something, even if it's not mm-hmm. your main turn, which is cool. I, I like that a lot. It makes you feel like you're playing all the game as opposed to just a portion of the game and that's cool yeah all right so those are the games that we played let's keep going are we finishing up this shelf this week one more week after this oh geez i can't keep it straight i don't even know what shelves we have anymore i'm discovering with you so we're back with our what's on the shelf we've kind of got this like little nook of these small little squares i uh, jason has been trying to post them on social media so check it out and this one has some really interesting types of games in it um kind of strange uh so jason is going to start us off with something that's not our normal kind of game all right, so full disclosure, I haven't played this. I don't know a lot about it. It came in a review copy, and I thought it looked cool, so I threw it on the shelf with some of the other games that we'll see. You'll, it'll make sense in a minute. Uh, and this is a puzzle book, like a escape room type book, and it's called The Book of Rituals. And it's from Board and Dice, that much I do know. And it has an accompanying app. I just found that out when I was looking through the book before we started recording. And... What you're trying to do is you're looking through the book. You're trying to solve different puzzles in there with the help of the app. The app can give you hints. Uh, you can input the answers in there and tell you if you're right or wrong. And you're just trying to basically solve the book. Uh, that's all I know about it. I looked through some of the pages. I don't even know. It does. It barely gives you any instructions. So I'm assuming the website or the app, whatever, gives you what you need to do. But it has some interesting art. It's all in black and white. 
a lot of alchemy letters or characters, whatever you call them, a lot of alchemy stuff. Symbols. Um, yeah. There's pentagrams. There's wizard stuff. There's magic stuff. There's just stuff everywhere. Um, it looks interesting if you're into those like puzzle books. I'm not great at it, and that's probably why it's just sitting on the shelf, but it does look cool. So Book of Rituals has not been explored. Yeah, um, I didn't know that we had this until the other day when I'm looking at the shelf, actually for, I think, last week's episode, um, to see what games are on the different cubbies. And I was like, when did we get this? Um, So I haven't explored it. My issue with this game will be I like to play games with other people. And this seems more like a solo endeavor. I mean, you could with somebody else, but it's kind of hard over one small book. It's a book, Um, yeah, probably not. But I'm definitely, I definitely think I'm going to check it out because I have looked at some other games on the shelf that are very similar. And this is from um, the graphic novel adventures from Van Ryder Games. We have Tears of a Goddess. We have Sherlock Holmes, Four Investigations, and then Sherlock Holmes, The Shadow of Jack the Ripper. So I have played um, Tears of a Goddess, which is uh, the Asian-themed Book. you are this heroine and you are like trying to find these three criminals that stole from this temple so you're kind of going through the city um you know chasing these dudes down you're making choices um it is like kind of choose your own adventure type books it's sort of role-playing in a way that you keep track of your possessions there's like a little character kind of sheet um, your special abilities, the money you have, victory points you get. And it's laid out in like these panels, like a comic book inside there, like a graphic novel. Um, and you make choices on where you're going to go, what you're going to do. You're looking at what's in those pictures for clues. There's like riddles to solve and to try and help you make the right choices. And sometimes you don't make the right choices. Um this is really neat. I really liked the Sherlock Holmes for investigations. I'm pretty sure I played all four investigations. Um, you can play a Sherlock or a Watson. Uh, Watson gets a little more clues. It's interesting how the book is laid out to like factor in both the detective and a sidekick. Um, you can see numbers and things all in there. There's you know riddles to solve as well. And you're ultimately then you're keeping track of some things as well. Like there's clues that you can find. Like um, I forget what it is. Like find this many um, coins or like a certain picture or something in different areas. And you keep track of them. And that gives you points at the end. Um, Again, like Jason said, that's not a game. But in some ways it is because you're playing kind of against yourself, against the book, trying to solve it. And I like that because, you know, I love Consulting Detective. Now, I don't know if I didn't realize we had another one with the Jack the Ripper. I just or I forgot about it, which is likely Um, I haven't played through that one yet. And again, it's because I don't readily go pick these up because they're solo endeavors. And I always refer to work with someone else. But I think if I would remember, these are nice things to take and do maybe in like a waiting room or, um, you know, while I'm sitting in a boring meeting and not paying attention, uh, you could work on one of these. Uh, I'm normally reading a book 
And so this is just similar to that, but you're working out puzzles. It's a choose your own adventure, which, you know, I have some fond nostalgia of those from when I was younger. So that's um, Tears of a Goddess, Sherlock Holmes, Four Investigations, and Sherlock Holmes, The Shadow of Jack the Ripper. So we have those three books in there as well. Actually, I think I might have multiple copies of some of these. Yeah, there's two Tears of a Goddess, one. I think some lovely member of the Riveted sent that to me because he didn't know I already had it. (laughs) Yeah, that's probably true. Um, so ne- next up is another game that we haven't played. Um, I think I found it at half price books for like three bucks or something. And it's called Sleuth. And this is a Sid Saxon game, super old, uh, from the seventies. So, you know, now I'm not just saying super old, like three years, like legitimately like 50 years old. And this you is say a- like that it's a Sid Saxon game. Like I should know who that is. Or are you well, just he- saying, no, I was just saying that for everybody, everybody who does know who that is. Uh, Do people actually know who that is? Yeah, like, he does. Is that can't a can't name? stop. Yeah, he can't stop. He's a he's like the big designer from the seventies that did games that were outside of the normal roll and move scope. So, yeah. like, mo- he had modern games in the seventies before modern games were really a thing, and then so he's like a legendary designer. But he'll never. He's he. I think he passed away a long time ago, so he'll never have any new games. But yeah, he was a little oh. bit ahead of his time. Okay, thanks. Thanks for the game history lesson. I know nothing. So Sleuth is a deduction game where it's only cards. There's like a certain number of these gems, and each of the gems are a different type of gem, a different number of gems, and a color. And you're going to take one out of the deck, and that you're trying to figure out which gem has been stolen. And then all the rest of them, based on the number of players, are going to be divvied out. You're going to have a sheet that you're trying to track all the stuff, uh, the gems. And then there's going to be another deck of cards that is how you're going to be asking for information. And this deck of cards could have like, uh, you could ask somebody, is the card, do you have any blue cards? Or do you have these two gems? But the card will prompt you on what you can ask. It can be one characteristic, two characteristics, all that kind of thing. So you're just going around asking questions, kind of like Clue, but without moving around the board because it's just trying to figure out the cards. And then you're marking off on your, your pad, trying to figure out which gem is missing. If you think you got it, you can guess it. If you guess right, you win. If you guess wrong, you're out and everybody else can keep playing. So it's it's a more in-depth version of a clue because you're just trying to figure out one thing, but there's so much more stuff to investigate, but no board and just asking questions. It seems cool, just not one that we've played yet because I think it plays better with like five and six players and to get five or six players who want to play a deduction game is not always the easiest. So sleuth. Yeah, I remember when you got this, and in my mind, I was thinking it was like a guess who type game or something, um, where the cards were people, but I think it's a different game. That's noir, and I somehow mixed them together in my brain. So yeah, I like to play it. I think we just haven't brought it out when we've had bigger groups, because you don't ever like to play with five or six players. Well, and I got to actually sit down and make sure that what I said right there was correct. That's just what (laughs) I... I, I've watched some videos, and that's how I think the game works, but... I've never read through the rule book and all that. So I don't think I don't feel comfortable enough teaching it yet. So, okay, going in a different direction that's not puzzle solving or deduction or anything. Um, we also have Kanagawa on the shelf. And this, for some reason, I always mix this up with another Japanese named game that is sort of similar, but not the same. And I can't even think of it right now, which, you know, I feel real good about that. I told you, I'm tired. My brain is not working. Um, But Kanagawa hits a lot of things that I like, card play, multi-use cards, and a beautiful 
beautiful art, Japanese theme. So in Kanagawa, you are going to this painting school. And so you're drafting cards. And the interesting thing is the cards are laid out on this board. And you're going to draft a column and some cards are face up. So you see what's on them. And there's usually at least one face down card in a column. Um, and so you're taking them and you can either paint um, the picture that is on the card and you're kind of building up your tableau painting. Um, or you can use, you flip the card upside down and you're going to actually use the the symbol on the bottom of the card to help you um, like be a better painter like to be able to paint different things like so you grow your knowledge on painting mountains or painting uh, waves water or trees because you can only paint what you know how to paint I mean that obviously that makes sense um, and also while you're doing that you're painting different things there are different like icons like pictures of people um, pictures of trees different things on there and so you're collecting these bonus tiles um, for the different things that you're painting and you're kind of moving these little, there's these really cute little like brushes inside pots that you're placing, um, on your cards with your painting abilities in order to be able to activate them. There's a little more to it than that, but basically it is building this really beautiful tableau, um, through card drafting and then choosing how you're going to use your cards. Um, and we hadn't played it for a while. And I'm like, yeah, I remember we played it and I liked it. I think I always mix up the name with Kobayakawa. Uh, that could be true. Yep. But they're not at all the same. No, we haven't even played Kobayakawa yet. <laughs> I know. I don't know why. But we do have Kanagawa and it's beautiful. And I think we should play it more. So that's also on the shelf. All right. So the next game I want to talk about is uh, it's like a card game from 25th Century. And this is called Space Explorers. And this is kind of Think Splendor, where you're trying to get different tokens to play these cards. But this is all done through playing cards and building a tableau of these cards in front of you. All these cards have uh, five different... There's five different colors. And you're trying to meet the criteria at the bottom of this card, either from cards that are currently in your tableau or cards from your hand, to be able to play these cards down into your tableau to make it cheaper for you to play cards in the future. So if I have two blue cards in my tableau, any card that I want to play in the future that needs two blue, I already have that in front of me. I don't have to play cards to get that. And then as you're building up your tableau, there's also these projects that are out, kind of like the nobles and splendor, that if you had the certain color, certain number of each color in front of you or a certain number of certain colors in front of you, you can say, hey, I have this. You can meet the project and it's going to just give you a pile of points. And also some of the cards that are in your tableau, if it's the top card, meaning the bottom one in the stack, if it has a special ability on it, you're able to use that special ability until it gets covered up. So it's 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 more in-depth in Splendor. There's more going on, but it kind of has a similar vibe to it where you're just trying to build a tableau to be able to make take other cards to score points easier and cheaper. So that's it. And that is Space Explorers. Yeah, I don't love games about space, but I think this has really interesting art. It's like old advertising from like you know, the 50s, 60s look when the space race, 60s when the space race was big, um, which I think is really interesting. I, for some reason, get this confused with like every other space game. I'm like, oh, is this like space base? No, roll for the galaxy. What the heck? I don't know why I can't remember this. And I, I feel like I liked this game. We just don't play it that often. And I'm not sure why. 
Because we have a lot of other games, I think. That's why. Well, I know, but I mean, we played the crap out of Splendor. That's true. That is true. I think that this is kind of like that next step, and it might be nice um, for people that we play with to play this. So I think we should pull it back out. Yeah, this is a better game, in my opinion, than Splendor. It's, it's, it's deeper, I guess. I wouldn't say better. It's a deeper game than Splendor is, but similar vibe. All right, and the last game is something completely different. We also have the expansion, which I don't know. I We haven't played, so we didn't really talk about. But this game is Bargain Quest. I really like this game. I feel like I'm a big advocate of Bargain Quest. I've talked about it before. It's in my top 100, I think. Because um, Bargain Quest has so many great things going on. So Bargain Quest is essentially like a drafting... Uh, it's not really set collection, but drafting, you're selling. I I don't. I'm not sure. Yeah, you're what. drafting. You're drafting cards that are trying to meet know, some criteria from I, a window. I, I, know, I was trying to think of what all the other, like yeah. any other mechanics were, but the basic mechanics is card drafting. Yeah, so it's mostly drafting. What you are is you own a shop, and they have really neat these little boards that represent the, your shop window. And they're different colors. Really cool. Love it. This plays up to six players. You are a shopkeeper in a town where adventurers come before they go out and fight these monsters. So you are going to draft items to help equip equip these adventurers. So the heroes will come to your shop. They will pay you the money and take the equipment. If they win or lose, you're not as worried about that as long as you get their money. Uh, I mean, you, you do get some points, I think it, some money if they win, but ultimately that doesn't matter as long as they bought all your equipment, whether it worked for them or not, not your problem. And I love that you're also, you're drafting cards cause you have to put one in your window to attract the customer, but you can't actually sell them that one in the window, which is such an interesting concept to think about, to sort through to like, okay. I want to get this type of adventurer. You know, they have their certain symbols on them um, because I want money from them because I know that they have a lot of money. So how how do I do that and then still have things to sell to them that they're going to actually want? Then you're also upgrading your shop. You can like hold extra things. Um, you can get some items that will help yourself make extra money. Uh, and you're just trying to make the be the person to make the most money once I think like three monsters are defeated. Um, we have the black, I think it's called Black Market is the expansion, um, which looks really cool because I love the ra- the base game. We just haven't played it yet because I think, I don't know why. We just haven't. We haven't we, got this one out for a while, actually. We know why. There's a person that we like to affectionately name Brandon who doesn't like this game and he whines about it. So that's why we don't play it a lot. It's true. But it, I think it's really good. It's drafting someone. Oh, someone else can play it. I think Joel. Joel. About it. Yeah. Cold drafter. It's all about luck and you don't. I'm like, but it's not you luck. just got to make the best with what you have, man. You see the cards that are getting passed around. You see what's in people's windows. Like, how's yeah. that luck? <laughs> that is what it is. Yeah. I don't know. I just really enjoy it. The artwork is really cool. I like the idea of it. You're doing hand management. Um, I think ours, our version's from Renegade. No, we have the pre-Renegade um, one, the indie oh, one. Yeah. Look at us. We bought it at... Cool. Um, cool before was cool. We didn't pen- buy it pen- Origins, didn't we? No, the Pennsylvania one. Um, 
Oh, packs and packs. Yeah, we got this at packs. Yeah, we're look at us. We're like hipsters. We had this game before. It was cool, y'all. That's right. Now I hate it. Now that's cool. I hate it. (laughs) Right. Yeah, the Black Market expansion came out in like 2019, and we have not played that, but the artwork still looks good. This is that one. The expansion is from Renegade, but um, you've got new heroes coming along. You've got the criminal underworld. You've got new functions and stuff. So I, I would love to play it, actually, with this expansion. It is better, I think, at higher player counts. It says you can play it at two. I thought you had to play it at three. Uh, I mean, maybe the Renegade one you can now play it too. But yeah, I thought ours was three minimum. Yeah. So that's another reason why I think we don't play it. Like, well, we don't play games with each other all that often either. So who knows? But we need to. And so that is Bargain Quest, the last item on the shelf. Yep. That's a good game. It is one that I would like to play as well. All right. So that's what's on our shelf. This is an odd shelf. We have like choose your adventure books. We've got a deduction game we've never played. Um, pretty Asian art, space stuff, and a drafting game. It's a wide variety of stuff. So what about you guys? Did you find something new? Are you intrigued by one of these games? Have you played these games? Do you recommend them? Tell us in the comments. You can hit us up on Facebook in the best Facebook group ever. Hashtag the riveted where we just talk about games. We've got a discord channel. We've got the in. Instagrams, we've got the YouTubes, we've got the Twitters. We just like all the opportunities to talk to you guys about what games you're playing. We think about games, we love finding new games, all of that. So tell us what you think on any of those outlets. Yeah, I think uh, Katie basically covered it. Um, so yeah, <laughs> good We're job. Back to the whole seventy thirty. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't want to talk. I'm already at like 10 minutes. That's 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 my quota right there. Oh, man. Okay, well, I think I'm I'm going to take a nap or something because I keep yawning. Like, I hope you edit that out of my recording. Yeah, I'll, I'll get it. All right. Well, I've been Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming. <laughs>